The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Is there a cry in your heart for more of God? Is there a need in your spirit for something more? There is in mine. Always through the years, I have plunged into the work of ministry, now some 50 years. I have plunged into the work of ministry since 1969. But it didn't start then. It happened before that. I think from the time I was a little boy, trying to understand the deep things of God, trying to get a hold of what Jesus was all about and how I could walk with him. And my heart has been satisfied many times by the kindness of Jesus, by his mercy and his care. He has revealed himself many times to me in different ways. But always my heart has wanted more. And friends have said to me, Ray, why don't you stop questing? Why don't you stop searching? Why don't you just settle down and be happy with what you have spiritually. And I've said to them, I can't. There's something I'm missing. There's something more, and my heart is hungry for it, and I want it. I can tell you now, my heart has been hungry for more of Jesus. 
can't let him go. I can't settle down and be fat and happy and live a normal life. I can't do it. My heart is hungry for Jesus. There's a fire in my belly. I'm missing something even yet. And now I know what I'm missing is the full Pentecostal baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some say they have that. I haven't met anyone yet who has. I've met people, and I too have been touched by the Holy Spirit, and and I speak in tongues like many others. But it's not been enough. The Holy Spirit brings purity, and he brings power. And he brings to us the fullness of Jesus Christ. So the cry that is unanswered in my heart is for more of Jesus. I am hungry for more of Jesus. If you're also hungry for more of Jesus, then today's broadcast is for you. Welcome, you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel, a small house church right now, as we come before the Lord and wait upon him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're crying out. We're tarrying with Jesus. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you are welcome to come. If that's the cry of your heart, if you're happy where you are, where you're at, and you're happy with what you're doing, then this isn't for you. This is, this is for those who are very hungry for Jesus and are willing to lay aside everything and pay any price for the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the purity and for the power. Now, if you'd like to be a part, you're welcome to call me. You can call me at 703-489-1785. Don't call me to rebuke me and tell me don't don't push don't don't be so hungry pastor I'll just say thank you and hang up This is for those who are serious about seeking after Jesus and the Pentecost baptism the purity and the power that will change America You know we're in trouble Our economy is crashing We're going to see famine in this nation. It is going to be worse than 1929. We need the Holy Spirit now. So you're welcome to call 703-489-1785 and I'll give you directions so that you can come and be a part with us. Now, one other item. This is the beginning of a new month, and we have not yet covered the cost of last month's radio broadcast, and it is coming due very quickly. We are $1,500 short. Now, if some of you have sent checks, I'm not able to get to the post office right now. I don't have transportation. I will this weekend. So this weekend, I'll see what you've sent, 
But I ask, please, if the Holy Spirit is touching your heart and these topics are vital to you as they are to me, would you just hilariously give for the work of the gospel that we could remain on the air? And frankly, I've been saying, Lord, is it time to leave the air or not? And he hasn't answered. I know he pays for what he orders, so I'm waiting to see how he moves in your heart. And if he moves in your heart and you sacrificially give, as some have already done this month, and I'm so grateful, we were, our bill is almost $4,000 and we are short 1500 So we're better than halfway there. If you'd like to give, let me give you the address where you can send your check. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22191. 22, I'm sorry, 22192. 22192. No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong again. It's 22195. 22195. My brain is filled with the message today, not with these details. Okay, please, if the Lord is calling you, would you give or go on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and give on PayPal? All right. Let's dive into this intense searching after Jesus today and being born in the Spirit. The story begins at night, and it's a time when no prudent man would walk about the dark streets of Jerusalem by himself. There are perils there, there are robbers waiting in dark doorways along these narrow streets. There are Roman soldiers about who often are very suspicious and impatient with a man who ventured out in the night. But Nicodemus, the Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin and a man of position and power in Jerusalem, has come to Jesus by night perhaps more than robbers or Roman soldiers, he may have feared embarrassment in the eyes of his colleagues if he should be seen sitting as a learner before this strange young rabbi from Nazareth. Or perhaps there's a burning question in his mind and heart that would not let him rest until morning. Who is this Jesus who has cleansed the temple and driven out the money changers? Who is this Jesus who is doing these incredible miracles of God that everyone can see? Is he just a prophet? Is he just a teacher? Or is he, in fact, the Messiah of God? There is a burning hunger in Nicodemus's heart for God and for Messiah. Jesus answers him. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now that's a very controversial statement, and it's been twisted and turned in all manner of ways. But the plain scriptural statement by Jesus is that you must be born of water, you must be baptized, and you must be born of the Spirit, Pentecost, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I know that cuts across all the modern teaching that poo-poos whether baptism is even necessary. Do I believe that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're baptized? No. But baptism is the way into the heart of Jesus. It is the way of repentance. It is the way of being washed and cleansed. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it cometh or whether it goeth. So it is with every one that is born of the Spirit. In other words, things are going to happen in your life if you are born of the Spirit that nobody's going to understand. They're going to think you're crazy, a fanatic. So Jesus now discloses to this one man who has come, searching for whether this could possibly be the Messiah. Jesus begins to talk to him about a relationship with God that is far different than anything he's ever experienced before. He's telling him that there is another birth that is possible. There is a birth that is from above. It is a birth of water and the Spirit of God. It is a birth that enables a man to be part of the kingdom and family of God and to share in eternal life. And all Nicodemus can say is, how can this be? Gently but firmly, Jesus reproves him for his his ignorance of the nature of the spiritual relationship of God and men who walk with him by faith. He said, Art thou the teacher of Israel, and knowest not these things? Now, it's not totally clear in the Old Testament, this new relationship, but there are certainly very strong indicators that the Messiah would bring a new way of relating to God an intimacy that they had not ever been able to experience in the Old Covenant. So Nicodemus was rightly rebuked for this apparent ignorance of the new birth. But I... Let me say this to you. There is a life with God that the Holy Spirit brings 
we may call it regeneration. It is something beyond the human intellect, something beyond the human heart. It is something that God does in us and for us. It is a divine work of grace that God does, and we are totally changed. And all of us who call ourselves Christians have experienced a measure of that. But what I'm saying is I must have the fullness of that. I must have the fullness of Jesus. I'm not satisfied with just a touch of the divine. I want the divine to come and dwell in me, and I want to dwell in the divine. I want the Father and the Son and the Spirit to all dwell in my soul. I want oneness with Jesus. I don't want riddles. I want the reality of God. I want that inner spiritual process. Jesus said you must be born again. But let's be clear, this second birth is not something that we can accomplish of ourselves. It is something that only God can do. It is a holy relationship with God created within the soul of a man by the power of the Spirit as we submit to the will of God through repentance and through faith. The Lord God comes in our circumstances and shares with us the eternal life of God. Without this, there is only spiritual death in the end. Now listen, a corpse can be embalmed and stuffed with whatever you want to stuff it with, herbs. You can do whatever you want with that that corpse. But it is a mummy. It is corruption. It is unsightly. And yet we can cover over the unsightly. How many times have I gone to a funeral and there that person lies in the casket with makeup and a beautiful suit? Death is concealed. People say, oh, he looks so good. He looks like he's just sleeping. Many of you have embalmed your dead soul. You have filled your life with fragments of every kind of darkness, anger, bitterness, malice, jealousy, envy. You filled your life with ambition, desire to be successful. You filled your life with with things, money, with beautiful things in your house, with that new car, with that new house. You filled your life with recognition at work, gold medallions at work. You filled your dead soul, and then you wrap it up like a mummy in a a shroud of self-righteousness so that the indwelling corruption scarcely appears, and people look at you and say, oh, 
He's a good person. The Egyptians, by all of their embalming, never were able to restore life to their dead. So these soul mummies, with all of our arts, cannot kindle the spark of life in our dead souls. You must be born again. And you must be born again by the water and by the Spirit. That's the only way you can be born again. Now, it's very clear. This new birth, even though it's taken today as a powerful keynote of evangelism among those of us who are evangelical, or charismatic, or Pentecostal, we dare not place the total emphasis on our being born again and then say, okay, I'm born again and now I'm on my way to heaven. I was questioning a dear woman, asking her, have you been born again? And she became very angry with me. And she said, do not ask me if I've been born again. Of course I've been born again. You're insulting me. And she became very angry. She said, I'm a mature Christian. Don't ask me to examine my standing before God. Whoa, I was shocked. I was stunned. I merely said, by your behavior, by your words, I dare I seriously doubt if you've ever been born from above. You don't know Jesus yet. Because if you knew Jesus, you would not behave like this. You would not speak to your pastor like this. She angrily brushed me off and left. You see, it's not the being born again that saves. It's Jesus who saves You know, as I look at all of this, I have to come back. I have to say, yes, I've been born in the traditional understanding. I've been born in water. I was baptized. I made my confession of Christ. He's forgiven me for my sins. He's wiped them all away. I'm washed and made clean before him, and I rejoice in that. The second part of being born again, being born of the Spirit, I haven't had. Oh, yes, the Spirit of God works outside of me to prompt me, to rebuke me, to teach me, to guide me, but he is drawing me inexorably toward that final part of being born again, which is to be in the spirit of the living God, where he comes into my soul and makes his dwelling place in me and brings with him the Father and Jesus. So I need to talk with you about the Holy Spirit. 
Now, please understand that when I talk about the Spirit, I'm talking about the Spirit of Jesus. Remember the Scripture said, Jesus said, I will send you another comforter. Another is the Greek word meaning one identical to me. So just as Jesus walked physically with the disciples, counseling, directing, ordering, now he is going to come in the Spirit. He's going to come in the Spirit. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the pure Spirit. It is the dunking Spirit. It is the plunging Spirit. He's going to baptize us. Even as we were baptized in water, he's now going to come and baptize us in the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is going to move into us and dwell in us. I know I can hear some of you saying, in a very patronizing way, Pastor, Pastor, come on. No, you come on. If you disagree with me, then I'm going to ask you a simple question. Where is your flock of righteous people, men and women, have come to salvation through your ministry? And are those people walking in holiness and righteousness, baptized and clean? Every one of us is called by Jesus to be a minister of the gospel. There's no division between clergy and laity in Scripture. We are all called to be the part of the body that we are meant to be. But all of us are called to be fishers of men and women. So I want to go through now a number of scriptures, and I urge you, take a pen, some paper, jot down all of these scriptures that I'm going to give you. I'm going to talk about what it means for the Holy Spirit to begin to do work in your life. What is the work the Holy Spirit will do? First of all, he brings himself and he seals you by the baptism of the Spirit under God's ownership. It is the earnest of God. It is the deposit of God that he has promised inheritance as a son and heir of God. But there's more. The Spirit is continually at work in the believer to bring forth all of the fullness that God has in his perfect will for every person who enters into Jesus Christ. This gracious Holy Spirit, this comforter, this paraclete on earth, even as Christ is in heaven, has been sent by the Father to dwell within us, to abide with us, to remain with us forever, instructing, encouraging, guiding us along our pilgrim way to the Father's house. This is called Pilgrim's Progress, this radio broadcast. Why? Because John Bunyan believed that the road to heaven was not vertical, it was horizontal. It was a journey. 
It was a journey in the school of the Holy Spirit where he comes in and takes possession. So the Holy Spirit has many ministries that he performs in our behalf. He comes to teach us all things, John fourteen twenty six. Our teacher is the Holy Spirit to empower us in our witness for Jesus. John fifteen, twenty six and twenty seven, Acts, one eight. Came to guide us into all truth, and to show us things to come. The things of Jesus. He came to reveal the fullness of Jesus to our hearts. Came to direct us in our service to Jesus. He came to absolutely bring about the ability in our lives to fulfill the righteousness of the law, Romans 8.4, to bear witness to our sonship, Romans 8.16. Just read the whole 8th chapter. I'll, I'll give you several pieces. He came to help us in our infirmities, in our weaknesses, he came to make intercession for us. I've been crying out, Holy Spirit, intercede for me with the Father. He came to reveal to us something of the glory of the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 He came to give us power. Power to do the ministry of the gospel. He came to bring forth in you and in me the gracious fruit of being like Jesus. He came to quicken our mortal bodies. All of these are the ministries that the Holy Spirit has come to quicken in us. But the Holy Spirit can't do these things for you if you refuse his ministry. If you are hard-hearted, if you are determined to have it your way, you don't care what you do to other people. You don't care what you take, what you steal. You don't care what you say. You're going to have it your way. Then you have rejected the Holy Spirit, and he will withdraw and be grieved by your behavior. We are called to be filled with the Spirit and to walk after the Spirit rather than after the flesh. We are called to sow to the Spirit rather than to the flesh. In other words, we're called to sow to the Holy Spirit the desires He places in our hearts for holiness and for Jesus. He calls us to be led by the Spirit, to be sons and daughters of God. We are, we are warned in the Scriptures against grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, you have a personal responsibility. You can choose to wrong someone you can choose to malign them and gossip. But 
that's not the Holy Spirit. I've been many times in my life cast aside, rejected, name-called, told to go get a life, to forget about this struggle to know Jesus. It's okay. I'm not going to turn aside from Jesus for any reason, for any person. I'm going to do all I know to follow him and to be filled with the Spirit of the living God. The cry of my heart is for this city and its salvation. Yes, I see wickedness on every side. Do I condemn those people? No, my tears flow for them. Tears flow for you if you are not walking in the Spirit of the living God. If you're walking in sin and unrighteousness, you may be like what I've described, that mummy, filled with every kind of darkness and wickedness, but on the outside you look like a wonderful Christian. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to leave your sin I want you to let the Holy Spirit transform you into the likeness of Jesus. There's a passage of Scripture that I want to talk about now in the last minutes that we'll share together today. It's about abiding in Jesus, about remaining in Jesus. And the word Remaining is probably a better translation because it has the sense of a continuance while abiding in Christ is, okay, I've abided, now now what? What's next? No, no, it's continually abiding in Christ. It's more than a matter of fellowship or consecration. It's more than the victorious life. It is life itself to abide or to remain in Jesus. It is remaining in him who is our life. Look, I have no life outside of Jesus. I have no interests outside of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Everything in my heart is given over for the kingdom of heaven. Money, time, energy. I've made so many mistakes on this journey. And I have many times wept over those mistakes. But finally the Lord has said to me, Ray, I have forgiven your sins. And so I no longer walk under any condemnation. I walk free in the Spirit of Christ. I want you to walk that way. I want you to understand that remaining in Jesus is the highest, most honorable, most wonderful thing any man could possibly do in his lifetime. Now in John, the 14th chapter, Jesus says, this is verse 21, if anyone may love me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, 
and we will come to him and will make a dwelling place. The one not loving me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's, the one having sent me. I have spoken these things to you while remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that one will teach you all things and will remind you all things that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit comes to be Jesus to us, to walk with us, to teach us about our Savior. It is the Spirit of Christ. Chapter 15, I am the vine, the true one, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he cuts it off, and every branch bearing fruit, he always prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean by means of the word that I've spoken to you. You must remain in union with me and I with you. Just as the branch is not able to bear fruit from itself, if it may not remain in the vine, so neither can you, if you may not remain in union with me. Now, do you understand? You can't come to Jesus, go to church, and then go off on your own and curse and swear, be mad and bitter, gossip, walk in sin. You can't do that and remain in Jesus. Where have you ever seen a vine with a branch that says, Hey, I'm too limited here. I need to go take care of some business that's mine. So, look, just snip me off and I'm on my way and then I'll come back later. No, it doesn't work that way. That's why I'm saying to you, my life is Jesus. My life is not about my being a man or you being a woman. It's not about all the issues of the It's about you and about me deciding that we will remain in Jesus because we recognize that we have no life outside of Jesus. We have no life in the club. We have no life in the alcohol. We have no life in the drugs. We have no life in the sex. We have no life in pornography or fornication. We have no life outside Jesus. So if you think you can come and go, you've never been born by the Spirit. Some of you think that going to church is all it's about, giving a little $5 bill or even a tithe in the offering plate, being recognized as a, a member of the church. You can be a corpse in the church just as well as you can be a corpse in the club or in Las Vegas or Atlantic City. 
I know Christians who load up on the buses and roll out to gamble. Christians who go to Washington, D.C. in order to gamble. How is that possible? If that's part of your lifestyle, you're not in Jesus. You have been separated from Jesus. I know of people who call themselves Christians who spend hours sitting in front of their television, going to the world's entertainment. If you're doing that, you're not a Christian. That's not where Christ is. He would not go there. Some of you love the movies and the concerts. That's not where Jesus is. That's where the world is. That's where the flesh is. That's where the devil abides. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And the one remaining in union with me and I with him This one bears much fruit, because apart from me, you are not able to do anything. Apart from me, you can't do anything. So it really raises the question that I've addressed several times, and yet I need to continue raising it. It says, if anyone may not remain in union with me, he is thrown out as the branch that was dried up and They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you may remain in union with me and my rhema, may remain in you, you will ask whatever you may desire, and it will happen for you. By this, my Father was glorified that you may bear much fruit, and you will prove to be my disciples. Now again, he says, verse 26, chapter 15. Now when the Helper may come, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes out from the Father, that one will testify concerning me. Now I want you to hear very clearly. The wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we have not been left as orphans, but rather the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, has come. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may remain with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you, and you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. Now let's be very clear. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. The only way you can be part Jesus, with Jesus, is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is through the Spirit that we are brought into Jesus. We must become exceedingly earnest and search after Jesus, and lay aside 
all of the comfortable notions that have poured out upon us by teachers who had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We must be baptized in the water and the Spirit. That is the Peter package spoken of in Acts, where we repent of our sins, we're baptized in water, and then we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is the normal progression for a man or woman as given by the Apostle Peter. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. And the way we stay in touch and the way we're apart from Jesus is by the Holy Spirit. Have you been born of the Spirit? Are you crying out for the birth of the Spirit? There is something much more beyond what we have experienced in America in the following of Jesus, in the principles and the culture. There is the reality of Jesus himself being brought to us by the Holy Spirit, being made righteous, being filled with the joy and the power and the passion to reach the lost. Has that taken place in your life? Again, I invite you to come. If the Holy Spirit calls you, to wait with us at the prayer chapel for this fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've listened to the Argentine tapes on the revival that took place there, you remember that one man crying out to God, the few believers, and the Holy Spirit came in such power it started the great revival that transformed Argentina. I'm nobody. You don't have to be somebody to come. But you have to earnestly desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So call me if you'd like to be a part. I'll give you directions for how you can come. Call 703 489 1785 1785. Now, once more, we are a faith ministry. If this teaching and those you've listened to in the past have encouraged and lifted your heart to Jesus, then would you participate in the work of the gospel and keep us on the air? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. All that you send will go directly to pay for the radio for last month, the month of September. I'll be eager this weekend to go to the post office and see 
what Jesus has done in your heart. And thank you to each one of you who's already given. I'd love to name you all, but I better not. Thank thank you, those who have given on the internet at our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There's a donate button there, and you can give on PayPal. Thank you for caring about the work of the gospel. Now we're almost out of time for this broadcast. I'd like to take some time and just pray together. Lord, I come I come before you acknowledging the greatest need of my life is for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit the power and purity, the holiness and the power for witness that, Lord, if this nation is going to be turned, then, Lord, we're going to have to wait for the mighty presence of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I could come and say, yes, I've received the Holy Spirit, and many listening could also say that, and yet there is almost a total lack of power in our lives to convict others of sin and to turn them toward righteousness. For this is not as you had planned. There is much more you have for us. And I want this, first of all, for intimacy with you, Jesus, for oneness with you, where you, the Father, and the Holy Spirit make your abode in my life. And then secondly, Jesus, I want this wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit that the lost could be saved. Almighty God, I weep over this city. If you don't come in mighty power, this city will be destroyed. Lord, today I lift up our president, Mr. Trump. Lord, I'm not going to be political, but I have to say this man, Mr. Trump, opposes abortion, while those on the other side press abortion forward. Lord, I cannot support any man or any woman who believes in the murdering of our children. And Lord, there are many today who lift their nose at Donald Trump as the president. And they favor those men and women who have destroyed countless numbers of our babies. Lord, there has to be a change in this nation. And I don't know how you're going to work through our political process, but I know my hope is not in the politicians. I know my hope is in your Holy Spirit and in the blood of my precious Savior, Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, I look to you, And I cry aloud to you that you would come with mighty power through your spirit and you would turn the hearts of men and women away from wickedness in this city. 
that you would shut down many of the establishments of this city, that you would close down the drug dens, that you would minister to those who are caught in homelessness, that you would look with pity on our city as our children are murdered, as our young people are shot and killed. Lord, I cry out for our city. I pray for our Congress. And Lord, I ask you to rebuke those who are walking in darkness, who are bringing evil into our land, who support abortion and every other wicked and evil thing. I ask you to rebuke them and remove them from office. And Lord, I pray for our Senate. I pray you'll give them courage to stand for moral right. Lord, I pray for each person who has listened today. I ask that your spirit would move with great power in their hearts and that you would bring such a hunger to them that they will cry out after you, Jesus, like blind Bartimaeus. Thank you, Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of